Section 23 of The Natural History, Volume 7. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Leon Harvey. The Natural History, Volume 7, by Pliny the Elder. Translated by John Bostock and Henry Thomas Riley. Book 35, Chapters 11 to 35. Chapter 11 The Art of Painting This much then with reference to the dignity of this now expiring art. We have already stated with what single colours the earlier artists painted when speaking of these pigments under the head of metals. The new modes of painting which were afterwards discovered and are known as Neogrammatia. The names of the artists are different inventions and the periods in which these inventions were adopted will all be described when we come to enumerate the painters. For the present, however, the proposed plan of this work requires that I should enlarge upon the nature of the several colours that are employed. The art of painting at last became developed in the invention of light and shade, the alternating contrast of the colours serving to heighten the effect of each. At a later period, again, lustre was added, a thing altogether different from light. The gradation between lustre and light on the one hand and the shade on the other was called tonos, while the blending of the various tints and their passing into one another was known as harmoge. Chapter 12. Pigments other than those of a metallic origin. Artificial colours. Colours are either sombre or florid, these qualities arising either from the nature of the substances or their mode of combination. The florid colours are those which the employer supplies. To the painter is own expense, minimum, namely, armenium, cinnabaris, chrysocolla, indigium, and purpurisum. The others are the sombre colours. Taking both kinds together, some are native colours and others are artificial. Sinopis, rubrica, Peritonium, Millennium, Eretria, and Orpiment are native colours. The others are artificial, more particularly those described by us when speaking of metals, in addition to which there are, among the more common colours, Okra, Astra, or Burnt Ceruz, Sandarac, Sandix, Syricum, and Atramentum. Chapter 13. Sinopis. Eleven Remedies Sinopis was discovered in Pontus, and is its name, from the city of Sinopthere. It is produced also in Egypt, the Balearic Islands, and Africa, but the best is found in Lemnos and Cappadocia, being extracted from quarries there. That part is considered the best which has been found adhering to the rock. In the native mass, it has its own proper colour within, but is spotted on the exterior. The ancients made use of it for tone. There are three kinds of synopsis, the red, the pale red, and the intermediate. The price of the best is 12 denarii per pound. It is used both for painting with the brush and for colouring wood. The kind which comes from Africa sells at 8 houses per pound. The name given to it is Psychorestulum. That, which is of the deepest red, is the most in use for colouring compartitions. The synopis 
known as the dull kind, being of a very tawny complexion, sells also at the price of eight ounces per pound. It is used principally for the lower parts of compartitions. Used medicinally, synopsis is of a soothing nature, as employed as an ingredient in plasters, and emollient poultices. It admits of being easily used, whether in the form of a dry or of a liquid composition, for the cure of ulcers situate in the humid parts of the body, the mouth and the rectum, for instance. Used as an injection, it arrests looseness of the bowels, and taken at doses of one denarius, it acts as a check upon female discharges. Applied in a burnt state, with wine in particular, it has a desiccative effect upon granulations of the eyelids. Chapter 14. Rubrica. Linea Nerth. Four Remedies. Some persons have wished to make out that synopsis is nothing else but a kind of rubrica of second-rate quality, looking upon earth of Lemnos as a rubrica of the highest quality. This last approaches very nearly to minimum and was as highly esteemed among the ancients as among the island that produces it. It was never sold except in sealed packages, a circumstance to which it was indebted for its additional name of suffragus. It is with this material that they give the undercoating to minimum, in the alliteration of which it is also extensively employed. In medicine, it is very highly esteemed, applied to the eyes in the form of a liniment, it allays deflections and pains in those organs, and arrests the discharge and lacrimal fistulas. To persons vomiting blood, it is administered with vinegar to drink. It is taken also internally for affections of the spleen and kidneys, and by females for the purpose of arresting flooding. It is employed, too, to counteract the effects of poisons, and of stings inflicted by sea or land serpents. Hence it is that it is so commonly used as an ingredient in antidotes. Chapter 15. Egyptian Earth Of the other kinds of rubrica, those of Egypt and Africa are of the greatest utility to workers in wood, from the fact of their being absorbed with the greatest rapidity. They are used also for painting, and are found in a native state in iron mines. Chapter 16. Okra. Remedies derived from rubrica. It is from rubrica also that okra is prepared the rubrica being burnt in new earthen pots when looted with clay. The more highly it is calcined in the furnace, the better the colour is. All kinds of rubrica are of a disassociative nature, and hence it is that they are so useful for plasters and as application for the erisipelas. Chapter 17 Luciferon Half a pound of Pontic Synopsis 10 pounds of bright sill, and 2 pounds of Greek millennium, were mixed and tertrated together for 12 successive days, produced leosophoron, a cement used for applying gold leaf to wood. Chapter 18. Peritonium. Peritonium is so called from the place of that name in Egypt. It is sea foam. They say solidified with slime, hence it is that minute shells often found in it. It is repaired also in the Isle of Crete, at Cyrene, and Rome it is undulterated with simoleon, earth boiled and thickened. The price of that of the highest quality is fifty denarii per six pounds. This is the most unctuous of all the white colours, and the most tenacious of a coating for plaster, the result of its smoothness. 
Chapter 19. Millennium. Six Remedies. Ceruse. Millennium, too, is a white colour, the best being to produce of the Isle of Melos. It is found also in Samos, but this last kind is never used by painters in consequence of its being too unctuous. The persons employed in extracting it lie at full length upon the ground and search for the veins among the rocks. In medicine it is employed for much the same purposes as Eritrea, in addition to which it dries a tongue, acts as a depilatory, and has a soothing effect. The price of it is one sesterius per pound. The third of the white pigments is ceruse, the nature of which we have already explained when speaking of the ores of lead. There was also a native ceruse, formerly found on the lands of Theodotus at Smyrna, which the ancients made use of for painting ships. At the present day, all ceruse is prepared artificially from lead and vinegar, as already stated. Chapter 20. Aster. Aster was accidentally discovered at a fire in the Piraeans, some ceruse having been burnt in the jars there. Machaeus, the artist above mentioned, was the first to use it. At the present day, that of Asia, known also as Purpuria, is considered the best. The price of it is six denarii per pound. It is prepared also at Rome by calcining marble sill and quenching it with vinegar. Without the use of Uster, shadows cannot be made. Chapter 21. Eretria. Eretria takes its name from the territory which produces it. Nicomachus and Paracius made use of it. In a medical point of view, it is cooling and emollient. In a calcined state, it promotes the psychiatrization of wounds. It is very useful as a desiccative and is particularly good for pains in the head, and for the detection of internal separations. If the earth, when applied with water, does not dry with rapidity, the presence of purulent matter is apprehended. Chapter 22. Sandarak According to Juba, Sandarak and Okra are both of them productions on the island of Topazus, in the Red Sea, but neither of them are imported to us from that place. The mode of preparing Sandarak we have described already. There is a spurious kind also, prepared by calcining ceruse in the furnace. This substance to be good ought to be of a flame colour. The price of it is five asses per pound. Chapter 23. Sandix. Calcined with an equal proportion of rubrica, Sandarac forms Sandrix. Although I perceive that Virgil, in the following line, has taken Sandix to be a plant, Sandix itself shall clothe the feeding lambs. The price of Sandix is one half that of Sandarac, these two colours being the heaviest of all in weight. Chapter 24. Syricum. Among the artificial colours, too, is Syricum, which is used as an undercoating for Minium, as already stated. It is prepared from a combination of Sinopis with Sandix. Chapter 25. Artimentum. Artimentum, too, must be reckoned among the artificial colours, although it is also derived in two ways from the earth, for sometimes it is found exuding from the earth like the brine of salt pits, while at other times an earth itself of a sulphurous colour is sought for the purpose. Painters, too, have been known to go so far as to dig up half-charred bones from the sepulchres for this purpose. All these plans, however, are newfangled and troublesome, 
for this substance may be prepared in numerous ways from the soot that is yielded by the combustion of resin or pitch so much so indeed that manufactories have been built on the principle of not allowing escape for the smoke evolved by the process the most esteemed black however that is made in this way is prepared from the wood of the torch pine it is alterated by mixing it with the ordinary soot from furnaces and baths a substance which is also employed for the purpose of writing others again calcine dried wine leaves and assure us that if the wine was originally of good quality from which the colour is made it will bear comparison with that of indicum polygnotus and mycon the most celebrated painters of athens made their black from grape husks and called it triginon Appels invented a method of preparing it from burnt ivory the name given to it being elephantion we have indicum also a substance imported from india the composition of which is at present unknown to me Dyer's cherry prepare an atramentum from the black inflorescence which adheres to the brazen dye pans it is made also from logs of torch pine burnt to charcoal and powdered in a mortar the sepia too has a wonderful property of secreting a black liquid but from the liquid no colour is prepared the preparation of every kind of atramentum is completed by exposure to the sun the black for writing having an admixture of gum and that for coating walls and a mixture of glue black pigment that has been dissolved in vinegar is not easily affected by washing chapter twenty six purpurissum among the remaining colours which as already stated owing to their dearness are furnished by the employer purpurissum holds the highest rank for the purpose of repairing it argentaria or silver chalk is dyed along with purple cloth it imbibing the colour more speedily than the wool the best of all is that which being thrown the very first into the boiling cauldron becomes saturated with the dye in its primitive state the next best in quality is that which has been put into the same liquor after first has been removed each time that this is done the quality becomes proportionally deteriorated owing of course to the comparative thinness of the liquid the reason that the papyrusum of putueli is more highly esteemed than that of tyre gortulia or laconia places which produce the most precious kinds of purple is the fact that it combines more readily with his skinum and that it is made to absorb the colouring liquid of matter the worst purpurisum is that of lanuvium the price of purpurisum is from one to thirty denarii per pound persons who use it in painting place a coat of sand beneath a layer on which of purpurisum with glare of egg produces all the brilliant tints of minium if on the other hand it is their object to make a purple they lay a coat of ceruleum beneath and purpurisum with egg upon it chapter twenty seven indicum next in esteem to this is indicum a production of india being a slime which adheres to the scum upon the reeds there when powdered it is black in appearance when diluted in water it yields a marvellous combination of purple and ceruleum there is another kind also which floats upon the surface of the pans in the purple dye houses being the scum which rises upon the purple dye persons who adulterate it stain pigeons dumb with genuine indicum or else colour selenusian earth or anularian chalk with woad the proper way of testing indicum is by laying it on hot coals 
that which is genuine producing a fine purple flame, and emitting a smell like that of seawater while it smokes. Hence it is that some are of the opinion that it is gathered from the rocks on the seashore. The price of indicum is 20 denarii per pound. Used medicinally, it alleviates cold shiverings and deflections, and acts as a desiccative upon sores. Chapter 28. Armenium, One Remedy. Armenia sends us the colouring substance which is known to us by its name. This also is a mineral which admits of being dyed, like chrysocolla, and is best when it most closely resembles that substance, the colour being pretty much that of cerulean. In former times it was sold at 30 sesterces per pound, but there has been found of late in the Spanish provinces a sandwich admits of a similar preparation, and consequently Armenian has come to be sold so low as at 6 denarii per pound. It differs from cerulean in a certain degree of whiteness, which causes the colour it yields to be thinner in comparison. The only use made of it in medicine is for the purpose of giving nourishment to the hair, that of the eyelids in particular. Chapter 29. Apianum. There are also two colours of very inferior quality, which have been recently discovered. One of them is the green known as apianum a fair imitation of chrysocolla. Just as though we had not had to mention sufficient of these counterfeits already. This colour, too, is prepared from a green chalk, the usual price of it being once steered per pound. Chapter 30. Anularian White The other colour that is known as anularian white, being used for giving a brilliant whiteness to the figures of females. This too is prepared from a kind of chalk, combined with the glassy paste which the lower classes wear in their rings. Hence it is that it has the name Anulaire. Chapter 31. Which colours do not admit of being laid on a wet coating? Those among the colours which require dry, cretaceous coating, and if used to adhere to a wet surface, are purpurisium, indicum, cerulean, melinum, orpiment, apianum, and ceruse. Wax, too, is stained with all these colouring substances, for in caustic painting, a process which does not admit of being applied to walls, but is in common use by way of ornament for ships of war, and indeed merchant ships at the present day. As we go so far as to paint these vehicles of danger, no one can be surprised if we paint our funeral piles as well, or if we have our gladiators conveyed in handsome carriages to the scene of death, or at all events of carnage. When we only contemplate this extensive variety of colours, we cannot but admit the ingenuity displayed by the men of former days. Chapter 32. What colours were used by the ancients in painting? It was with four colours only that Apeles, Echion, Melanthius, and Nicomachus, those most illustrious painters, executed their immortal works. Melinum, for a white, Atixil, for the yellow, Pontic, Sinopis, for the red, and Atramatum, for the black. And yet a single picture of theirs is sold before now for the treasures of whole cities. But at the present day, when purple is employed for colouring walls even, 
and when India sends us the slime of her rivers, and the corrupt blood of her dragons, and her elephants, there is no such thing as a picture of high quality produced. Everything, in fact, was superior at a time when the resources of art were so much fewer than they are now. Yes, so it is, and the reason is, as we have already stated, that it is material and not the efforts of genius that is now the object of research. Chapter 33 At what time combats of gladiators were first painted and publicly exhibited? One folly too of this age of ours, in reference to painting, I must not omit. The Emperor Nero ordered a painting of himself to be executed upon a canvas, of colossal proportions, 120 feet in height. A thing till then unknown. This picture was just completed when it was burnt by lightning with the greater part of the gardens of Maeus, in which it was exhibited. A freedman of the same price, on the occasion of his exhibiting a show of gladiators at Antium, had the public porticos hung, as everybody knows, with paintings which were represented genuine portraits of the gladiators and all the other assistants. Indeed, at this place, there has been a very prevailing taste for painting for many ages past. C. Terentius Lucanus was the first who had combats of gladiators painted for public exhibition in honour of his grandfather, who had adopted him. He provided thirty pairs of gladiators in the forum for three consecutive days and exhibited a painting of their combats in the grove of Diana. Chapter 34 The Age of Painting with the names of the more celebrated works of artists, 405 in number. I shall now proceed to enumerate, as briefly as possible, the more eminent among the painters. It not being consistent with the plan of this work to go into any great lengths of detail. It must suffice, therefore, in some cases, to name the artist in a cursory manner only, and with reference to the account given of others, with the exception, of course, of the more famous production of the pictorial art whether still in existence or now lost, all of which it will be only right to take some notice of. In this department, the ordinary exactness of the Greeks has been somewhat inconsistent in placing the painters so many Olympiads after the statuaries and two artists, and the very first of them so late as the 90th Olympiad. Seeing that Phidias himself is said to have been originally a painter, and that there was a shield at Athens which had been painted by him, in addition to which it is universally agreed that in the 83rd Olympiad his brother Panaeus painted at Elis the interior of the shield of Minerva, which had been executed by Colotz, a disciple of Phidias and an assistant in the statue of the Olympian Jupiter. And then besides, is it not equally admitted that Candules, the last Lydian king of the race of the Heraclidae, very generally known also by the name of Mercilus, paid its weight in gold for a picture by the painter Bularchus, which represented the battle fought by him with the magnates. So great was the estimation in which the art was already held. This circumstance must of necessity have happened about the period of our Romulus, for it was in the 18th Olympiad that Candules perished, or as some writers say, in the same year as the death of Romulus, a thing which clearly demonstrates that even at that early period of the art had already become famous, 
and arrived at a state of great perfection. If then we are bound to admit this conclusion, it must be equally evident that the commencement of the art is a much earlier date, and that those artists who painted in monochrome, and whose dates have not been handed down to us, must have flourished at even an anterior period. Hygienon, namely, Danaeus, Charmatus, Eumarus of Athens, the first who distinguished the sexes in painting and attempted to imitate every kind of figure, and Simon of Cleone, who improved upon the inventions of Eumarus. It was this Simon, too, who first invented foreshortenings, or in other words, oblique views of the figure, and who first learned the very features by representing them in the various attitudes of looking backwards, upwards, or downwards. It was he, too, who first marked the articulations of the limbs, indicated the veins, and gave the natural folds and sinuosities to drapery. Benanus, too, the brother of Phidias, even executed a painting of the battle fought by the Athenians with the Persians of Marathon. So common indeed had the employment of colours become, and at such a state of perfection had the art arrived, that he was able to represent, it is said, the portraits of the various generals who commanded at the battle. Miltades, Silimachus, and Sinagiris, on the side of the Athenians, and on that of the barbarians, Datus and Artaphernes. Chapter 35. The First Contest for Excellence in the Pictorial Art And not only this, but during the time that Pananus flourished, there were contests in the pictorial art instituted at Corinth and Delphi. On the first occasion, Pananus himself entered the lists at the Pythian Games with Timagoras of Chalcis by whom he was defeated, a circumstance which is recorded in some ancient lines by Timagoras himself, and an undoubted proof that the chroniclers are in error as to the date of the origin of painting. After these, and yet before the 19th Olympiad, there were other celebrated painters, Polygnotus of Thessos, for instance, who was the first to paint females in transparent drapery, and to represent the head covered with a party-coloured headdress. He too was the first to contribute many other improvements to the art of painting, opening the mouth, for example, showing the teeth, and throwing expression into the countenance in place of the ancient rigidity of the features. There is a picture by this artist in the portico of Pompeius, before the Curia that was built by him, with reference to which there is some doubt whether the man represented with a shield is in the act of ascending or descending. He also embellished the temple at Delphi, at Athens, the portico known as the Poesile, at which last he worked gratuitously, in conjunction with Mycon, who received pay for his labours. Indeed, Polygnotus was held in the highest esteem of the two for the Amphictyons, who, from the General Council of Greece, decreed that he should have his lodging furnished him at the public expense. There was also another Mycon, distinguished from the first Mycon by the surname of the Younger, and whose daughter, Timaret, also practised the art of painting. End of section 23